Welcome one. And welcome to all to the greatest show of them all. It is the NFC East mixtape, which you can listen to on any one of SB Nation's NFC East blog podcast networks. You can also watch this show on the on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel or the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. If you do so, you will see the visual stylings of himself. He is Brandon Lee Gotten. I am myself, RJ Ochoa from Bleeding Green Nation, Blog and the Boys, etc., etc. BLG. It's great to see your face once more. I am myself. RJ, you complete coward who abandoned the mixologist as you referred to them last week. You're back. You showed your face. Uh, coward. That's exactly I what mean, it was. Bold of you to come back here. Uh, but and didn't even listen to the episode you said you're going to listen to it so fair enough but i did think we had a really good show with both jamal and ed hopping well, on and giving us some perspective elsewhere in the division we get a lot of compl- complaints slash criticism feedback whatever you want to call it that we don't get enough of those perspectives so we actually did do that last week while we are um you know calling people out i guess um you know brandon i told you literally a week and a half ahead of time that I wasn't going to be here, right? So you knew that. Rachel definitely knew that. Rachel was probably waiting for some sort of direction from you. And in fact, Rachel was the person who sent... I'm, so let's apologize. I will apologize since you didn't for the tardiness of last week's mixtape because Rachel hit you up and, and I guess me in our chat. It was like, hey, is there going to be a mixtape this week? I know RG's at the Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. And you were like, uh, I guess. Uh, let me see. Uh, Seth Rogen. Let me see if I can you know, find a guest, whatever. And it, it went planned. out late. I had it planned. It, I don't want to throw our guest under the bus, but guess what? Sometimes the scheduling stuff isn't fully in my control. So... That's why it was out later than it usually was. Um, nobody believes you. Uh, so that being said, um, it went out late. So apologies. It went out on Saturday because that was the other thing. You didn't even make sure that. Right, well, it, you didn't even make sure that I had the file, that I had the songs or anything like that. I had to go digging and hunting for this information all on my own. So once again, great job, Brandon. You didn't you know. ask. What do you mean I didn't ask? It's a show. BLG deprived the blog of the boys listeners. You didn't even care if you wanted we I was gonna do one or not. I, I was went, like, whatever. No, I said I, I said it's up to BLG. I've done many an episode without you. I've yeah, made sure when, that it went out at the exact same time as usual. I handled all of the curation of guests and songs and everything like that. It's okay, you dropped the ball. Nobody's, when I'm nobody's not mad. On, I just, always just make sure it out. you have a guest lined up and I always know what's going on. Hundred mm, well, percent true. While I was gone, I interviewed three members of the NFC East. You and I are the NFC East mixtape, but I spoke to New York Giants wide receiver Jalen Hyatt. I spoke to Dallas Cowboys running back Tony Pollard, and I spoke to our favorite New York Giants pass rusher Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, so uh, we can kind of get into thoughts and takeaways from those things. I know that Ed wrote about both of the Giants interviews at Big Blue View, so my appreciation and thanks to him. Um, but yeah, uh, the Super Bowl is over. That stinks. No more football. Uh, I'm happy with how the game went, I will say, considering that I, number one, bet on the Chiefs to win. I didn't do the emotional hedge this time, which spoke to my confidence in the Chiefs. So uh, the Andy Reid thing, I just don't really care about anymore. Like, I I was happy when he got his first one, especially because it happened after the Eagles got theirs. If we're living in a world where the Eagles have not won a Super Bowl and Andy Reid has three titles, that's not as uh, easy to reconcile, but whatever. Uh, I just didn't want the 49ers to win, obviously. So, yeah, and it, you, it really proved that justice is it, justice and not just oh our friend gosh. Justice Mosqueda from Acme Packing Company, but justice as a concept exists in the world because that Niners team, dude, you saw it last week. 
well oh fire alarms oh the field is whatever like they're just they just love to complain they love to complain they're a bunch of whiners they're a bunch of babies kyle shanahan's a coward and timu tom brady could not rise to the occasion and top i thought brock Purdy actually played okay but still you saw the difference between him and obviously just the best player ever question mark patrick mahomes so I'm happy with how the Super Bowl went and including everything around it, too. I mean, I thought the commercials were fun for the most part. Uh, I like the Dunkin Donuts one a lot. And uh, obviously the halftime show was great, too. Um, Game went the way I wanted and the way I preferred. Um, In addition to not one of the Niners. I want to be clear um, because there are some Cowboys fans who are of the belief like I don't I don't want the Niners to get to six before the Cowboys. That has really hollowed for me. Um, But with Pittsburgh getting there and New England getting there and them having been there for a very long time. I mean, consider that Pittsburgh got to number six now 16 years ago. You know what I mean? It, it's I've, I've made my peace with the Cowboys not being the first to six. Um, and so New England obviously got there a long time ago as well. So it really wasn't that. I just don't like them and they own the Cowboys. So, it, you know, call me bitter or whatever. And I also people have this take a lot when it comes to certain teams or athletes or whatever. I'm just kind of at a place where I want to see the greatness that is the Chiefs. You know, it's in, amazing to kind of watch it unfold. Andy Reid is super likable. I find Mahomes to be likable. I didn't have a problem with any of the Kelsey or Taylor Swift stuff or whatever. So it was all good. It was kind of a boring game, I felt like, with a dramatic, intense fourth quarter, which was cool. Uh, so obviously, I think that left us feeling satisfied. Commercials didn't really do it for me, if I'm being totally honest with you. But Usher was incredible. It's just a sad thing when it's over. I love the Super Bowl and how epic and big and grand it is and that it's this shared universal experience. And so it's hard to just let it go and let football season go with it. Every team is zero and zero again, right? Uh, So I do want to say this. I don't seem to hate the 49ers as much as you do, but we had stats on my radio show on Tuesday and we're getting his perspective, obviously, on where things are at and and poor, poor stats. He's. He's not resting. Also, met stats in person, uh, which was super awesome. Definitely not as tall as you thought he was. And it was super great, obviously, to to break bread with him and, and kind of, you know, uh, discuss a few different things. But he referred to the Niners this way. I never have, but I think you'll agree with this. He said, because I asked him, you know, if if um, Pat Mahomes and the, and the Chiefs are Michael Jordan and the Bulls, like, who were the Niners in that mm. analogy? Because I... I I've made the point. I think a lot of people have there the jazz right to the, the, you know, the chiefs bills or bulls, excuse me. And he said, well, I think that they're a way less likable Phil Nicholson to tiger woods. That's Mm. what's happening here. And, and stats made the point. He said, they're not a likable team. He said, no, they're, they have their problems. And he said, Kyle Shanahan can be kind of arrogant, but this is the thing I think you'll like. He said, they've kind of acted like uncrowned champions. And yes. I think the I think the Eagles had wow. some of that going on Literally, too. My whole I, issue I, with last I think, year. I think the Eagles had some of that going on too, but the Niners have definitely no. had a lot of that going on. And that's what are you talking about? A lot of these Eagles players have won a Super Bowl ring, or at least some of them have. Well, no, but they acted like that. They acted like they had the greatest Super Bowl loss ever, and there was like valor in that. So, but it's my point true. is, there is something to being so good that you are in these moments year in and year out, but having nothing to show for it. That is just so painful, and that's who the Niners are. I mean, the Eagles were there, obviously, early on in Andy Reid's career. So, you know, kind of familiar with that to some extent. I mean, <laughs> you've been saying throughout the season, oh, the 49ers backed up their trash talk. And I they, guess did. They, along, they, they did. They did. They did. I'm not done along the way. But, you know, when the lights are on the brightest, I mean, Debo Samuel was trash. That's his favorite word to use to describe James Bradbury, who actually was trash last year. But, I mean, Debo doing, didn't do anything. Obviously got hurt, just like he did 
uh, in the NFC Championship game last year. Drake Greenlaw is just acting like a fool and jumping around and being way too uncontained and got hurt doing that. Um, so I don't know. It's just kind of like, well, yeah, maybe you kind of act in a certain way and maybe those results uh, find you. So, uh, yeah, I definitely don't feel bad at all. I, I mean, I understand the feeling. I feel bad for stats just because of how exhausting it is to then have to talk about that and relive that. Um, but for this 49ers team that basically acted like, well, if, if Brock Purdy just doesn't get hurt, we beat the Eagles definitely, and then we go to the Super Bowl and we win. We beat the Chiefs. You, gotta uh, you lost to them now twice in the Super Bowl, and the Chiefs this year – I think it's fair to say we're a worse version of the Chiefs last year. So no, your your hypothesis is actually totally proven false, and you look foolish. Uh, I think you are way too obsessed with the Niners at this point in time, but I'm happy that they lost. The Dre Greenlaw thing is a bummer. Like no matter how you slice it, like that was horrible to just watch. I felt so horrible for him. I know a lot of people did as well. I do think that Purdy played well. I mean, you're right. Like, Debo kind of was a little absent. Obviously, got hurt. George Kittle was a little absent. Had the clutch fourth down catch, obviously. But, I like, I don't know how you can point the finger at Brock Purdy and feel, you know, be like, oh, he's the reason, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I kind of feel like Kyle Shanahan is not catching enough heat. I wrote about hmm. this, actually. Uh, I don't this. think that's true. I think well, everyone's dumping on him. But I, it should be more. If Mike, McC- if if Tony Pollard came oh, out and okay. said, "Oh, we we, we did," what do you mean it comes out back to Mike McCarthy? You just spent five minutes lamenting about how this was all about the Eagles. If Mike McCarthy, if if Tony Pollard is like, "Oh, we didn't know the overtime rules or whatever," like whatever, Mike McCarthy would be banished from the universe. But for some reason, Kyle, there are still people that are like, "Well, it's not that big of a deal that Kyle Shanahan didn't tell these players." What do you mean it's not that big of a deal? The Chiefs practiced it in training camp, like. There's a difference in what do you think makes the difference if they did know? I mean, multiple things. See, that's the question I think people can't answer, though. Multiple things can be true. And to your point, probably nothing. But it can also be true that he clearly wasn't as prepared as he possibly could be. So, like, how do we know that he wasn't, you know, necessarily equally unprepared in other capacities that did make yeah, a difference? Right. That's and that's fair. I can kind of wonder about that. And I'm not saying it's like awesome or beneficial or cool that they didn't know, but I just do think I genuinely wonder like what would have been different. I mean, I think the bigger issue that people are should be focusing on is just the coward cowardice of it all. And well, you, he did have the fourth down attempt, which was out of character. I know I you and Shots were. I, I know. I could not. Be, I was like, I couldn't. Be, I was like, wow. I was I, at that moment. I thought the 49ers actually were going to win because I'm like, this is Kyle Shannon actually playing to win and good for him. And although, you know, when he, he really should have done it again, like you, ha- I think you have to go for it there. I know the Chiefs can get a field goal and win if you don't get it, but you, it comes back to again, I've talked about like the Michael Myers thing of Mahomes where you just, you have to do literally everything you can to win. And I always criticize the Bills for what ultimately set up these new overtime rules for not going for two when uh what was it whatever how many seconds 13 seconds 13 or whatever seconds, was on the clock yeah, yeah. <laughs> they should have went for two there because if they go for two then the chiefs need a touchdown at the end of that game instead of a field goal like, that's it's pretty hard to get a touchdown in 13 seconds it's not inconceivable that you could just have one long play with pass interference or a couple plays whatever they did and get into field goal range like that's possible i'm well uh, anyway. on record for hating on the bills <laughs> as a result of that and and that energy was way more annoying because what was annoying about that was like oh it's so unfair that josh allen didn't get to touch the ball why like yeah. what why is it unfair they had every opportunity to win the game throughout the course of the entire game but i right. don't want to sit here and lament about the bills or even the niners or the chiefs for that matter um it's the chiefs 
world and we're all just living in it. Everything feels so pointless and inevitable. Doesn't um, it feel like I was thinking because you were talking about the SB Nation NFL show. Sometimes I think it's it is like interesting to see how people who aren't as, you know, uh diseased as we are talking about football all the time are looking at things just like the you know, casual outsider perspective like i always refer to my dad follows football stuff and he watches the show so shout out to my dad but he also like doesn't what up doug in depth as a lot of people and i always bring up like the bryce young example he was like looking at bryce young when we were watching a panthers game one time and he was like that guy's the quarterback like really <laughs> like that guy's the number one overall pick so sometimes i think it's funny you have to imagine people who don't even follow the nfl closely were like ask them before the season who's going to win the super bowl the chiefs right like, yeah. And then after the season, like, oh, duh, I told you, like, not surprising at all. And then it's like, yeah, you're right. We overcomplicate things sometimes. And sure enough, uh, the Chiefs won. And it's, man, like, we're all talking about greatness and dynasty and everything. And I'm, try- I'm not trying to take any credit away from them. But isn't that kind of funny? Like, the Chiefs weren't even that good this year. Their fans didn't even enjoy the team for a lot of the season. Like, that wasn't like a fun team, a fun ride. It was like miserable a lot of the way. And then they turned it on in the playoffs. Even the playoffs, they weren't like, oh, man they're back in full force like they're kind of like just piecing it together so it's it's really funny to me that like she didn't even play all that well relative to their standards and they're still the best team in the league uh to that overall point they were actually for the first time really unlikable and really hateable after the bills loss with the whole like oh well you can't take that play away because it was too cool you know like they Mm -hmm. just had it was so they finally felt pretentious and like they were the villains you know amid their overall kind of arc throughout this whole thing but then they became likable again and i just i don't know how like I felt like these whole playoffs, and I guess this gets us back to the division, this didn't necessarily happen to the Eagles unless you define um, their boogeyman to be hubris. But it was all about, like, the the person who owns you, like, continued to own you, like, throughout the course of these playoffs. And so for the Cowboys, as an example, it was the Packers, right? Like, they've owned you. Like, obviously, the Niners have owned them as well. They have multiple owners at this point in time. But so, and for the Bills, it was like, okay – and, and and we talked about it for the Cowboys though. Like, how, if it couldn't go, if it couldn't happen now, what else has to happen? When, like you had you right. had everything working for you, and I felt like that happened throughout the AFC playoffs. Like for Buffalo, is you're at home, you're catching the Chiefs, the weakest version of themselves. You got Josh Allen, blah 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 blah. You had the fumble through the end zone, blah, and it didn't happen. So it's like, what else has to happen? In Baltimore, you have the MVP, you have mm-hmm. this amazing team. You're one of literally the best teams ever by DVOA. You're it's the first AFC championship game in Baltimore ever. Like, and again the Chiefs are really down. So if it can't happen now, what else has to happen? And for the Niners, same sort of thing. Like there's all this conversation like, oh, they're going to load up because Brock Purdy's on his rookie deal. What what more do they need? Like they need another superstar skill position player. They need another, you know, amazing, you know, defensive game record. And th- then they're going to what catch the Chiefs in an even weaker year for Patrick Mahomes. Like it's it's just the inevitability of it's so maddening, I think, for mm-hmm. so many teams. Yeah, it's and it also measures like, again, Purdy was fine, but when the that's like the, the quarterback thing, it's like you might have in a vacuum like a nice quarterback in theory, but when you're measuring it up to Mahomes, like that's the standard to win the championship. Like you have to be able to beat that guy. And obviously, it's very tough for a team to find someone better than that or even anywhere as close as good as that. But man, like that's that's ultimately where you're, what you're going up against. So, like, you know what I mean? Oh, wait, you're muted. Or at least yeah, you're it's, muted. I just said it's a tough seat. So my bad. Oh um but i mean you know what i mean that's it's just i was trying to get at this with ed when i was talking to him last week you know you have people like talking themselves into daniel jones and i think less so still but at one point in time you're like really but i'm like like like, that guy's gonna beat patrick mahomes really this is what you're talking yourself into so 
I don't know. Just something to think about that. You're always chasing that standard. Um, it is yard day around here. So the dogs are pretty upset about that. Um, but okay, let's get to the NFC East. Let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. I haven't listened. Did you talk about the Cowboys first last week? People we didn't really talk about the Cowboys and our Eagles so wow. much because wow. Wow. I wanted to save that when you were wow. here. Wow. Wow. If only and, we did this show on a weekly basis. And the, like, the interviews were like up to an hour itself. So the, the whole podcast would have been almost two hours or approaching that. if I Wait, I didn't even know this. Well. You guys put the interviews on here? What do you oh, mean? Oh, the Ed, the Ed. I thought you meant the Giants interviews. We should no. have done that. Oh, man. Really, NFC East. We really interviews. dropped the ball there. Wow. Um, okay. The Dallas Cowboys, since we last spoke, uh, officially saw Dan Quinn leave. Although that's kind of old news at this point in time, but still. Um, well, how do you feel it, about it? I feel great. I, I've been out on Dan Quinn for a long time. I mean, and people have heard me say this for a very, very long time, yourself included. So I'm very happy that Dan Quinn is out. I'm extraordinarily happy that Dan Quinn is the head coach of a team within the division. And, oh, we also, since we last spoke, Kellen Moore is now the offensive. Oh, no, that had happened, I think. Or that was rumored. It's official now. Yeah. So we there, had talked about that before. There's but a big now being uh, confirmed. incestual nature to the NFC East right now with how all this stuff is kind of happening. But so. I have zero worries or concerns with Dan Quinn leaving. Certainly zero worries or concerns with him joining the commanders. And it felt like he was their like last option. No offense to Dan, um, but we were live or we were recording when Brian uh, Ben Johnson removed himself from consideration. So um, yeah, I mean, it just felt like it felt like everybody was like, I guess we'll take Dan Quinn. And he was like, I guess I'll take the commanders. Like it just felt, you know, like a settlement for everybody involved. Um, and this was such a long and exhausting experience for the Cowboys to find a new defensive coordinator. And I roll my eyes because it was, I was going to say you actually like did rub your eyes there. It, it, <laughs> no, it wasn't me being tired. It was me being annoyed because I don't know how closely you monitored it because it was the Super Bowl and stuff. But so the, they had been connected to immediately Ron Rivera, which made me just want to. It's very back. funny considering your harsh I know. Uh, stance against him with the Eagles. I've never seen Interstellar, but you know that that clip that people share all the time of like, you know, like going back in time and telling myself not to be a fan of this team. Like it made me want to do that with like the Cowboys. Like, what did I do to deserve this? And then they improved that by searching after Mike Zimmer or going after Mike Zimmer, courting him, whatever. And I I have a unique take on this relative to Mm. most Cowboys fans. So we'll get there. Uh, But just from a timeline perspective, for anyone who's not uh, aware um they were then connected to you know a handful of other people but those were kind of the top two for a while last thursday um they reportedly you know owned in zeroed in on mike zimmer this news broke during nfl honors the same nfl honors in which the cowboys would get skunked uh, in terms of major awards um but they had the attention of the world because they were set to be hiring mike zimmer but that was quickly refuted with Nothing official has happened. And then mm. on Friday morning, um, Rex Ryan was reportedly – or that had happened earlier in the week. I'm sorry. But either way, I'm getting my days mixed up. But when the Rex thing happened, that was the moment I felt like the most defeated I've ever felt as a as a Cowboys fan in recent memory because it was just <laughs> – but anyway, so um, over the weekend, nothing happened, although Rex did speak on Sunday NFL Countdown about his interest in the job and why he had gone after it and how he had called Mike McCarthy and blah, blah, blah. And on Monday, Adam Schefter, an ESPN employee, went on the Pat McAfee show in ESPN production, spoke to Pat McAfee, an ESPN employee, about how nothing was official here and that Rex Ryan, also an ESPN employee, was still technically in the mix for the job. 
this news cycle reported by ESPN, created by ESPN, involving ESPN employees was just the most annoying thing to experience ever. Uh, but on Monday afternoon, the Cowboys formally announced that they are, in fact, going with Mike Zimmer. I want to be very clear here because I've had an unpopular opinion with Cowboys fans. I'm okay with the hire. I'm fine with the hire in terms of who Mike Zimmer is. There's a lot of people who understand the schematic principles of, of football more than I do who are very excited. And I, some Eagles fans, I saw Benjamin Solak was super pumped about this as an example. Hmm. But the process of how we got here is so stupid and, hmm. and so ridiculous. You cannot just inter- – you cannot – really have just considered from an external candidate perspective and they didn't literally but ron rivera and mike zimmer and act like you're taking this seriously you cannot consider rex ryan and and like pretend or expect me to believe that you're taking this seriously i mean rex ryan hasn't been in the nfl since 2016 mike zimmer hasn't been in the nfl since 2021 and i thought somewhat highly of mike zimmer at one point in time and while he has been the cowboys defensive coordinator in the past and while there's reason to believe again that this is going to work out this is the same old crap. It's just like, oh, let's just hire some. It's the it's football nepotism. It's NFL nepotism that we see all the time. And people love to ask things like, oh, well, if you're so mad, then who, who would you have preferred? And I'm not advocating for this person, and you would know that, certainly, but how do you not have a conversation with, say, Brandon Staley? Like, how, how do you not have a conversation mm. with anyone and, and just, wow. you know, let, let yourself – well, look, Brandon Staley's a young coach. He's obviously a failed head coach, but like he's a really bright defensive mind. Like, how do you how do you expect us to believe you're exhausting all resources and looking under every rock if you're not even considering talking to people of a different generation or of a different lineage or of a different tree or whatever the case may be? And if you ultimately do all those things and you come to the conclusion that you want to hire Mike Zimmer, so be it. I can make my peace with that. But that they didn't do that just kind of speaks to, well, what's the like quickest and easiest way to ultimately do this? And the way it unfolded in, in how it bordered the Super Bowl weekend made it really look like they were just garnering for attention and doing whatever they could to take a piece of Super Bowl no. weekend and make it about the Cowboys. So I um I I sound I know I sound like an old man relative to a lot of people. And my last take on this, and I know I've gone long and I'm sorry about that, but it was a month ago when Everybody like hated this team. Every Cowboys fan was like, I'm never going to trust them again. And now my mentions are filled with like, dude, this could really work out. You're just being harsh. You're just being like, what happened over the last month to where you suddenly are now willing to give them the benefit of the doubt in terms of who they've considered here for this position. So the, the net result is okay, but the process was incredibly flawed. That's some incredibly fast grief process happening. The steps of grief. Not me. You're saying. Yeah, going okay. on when you get back to that point. I mean, let's be real. Everyone gets back to that point. At some point in the offseason, typically, it may take it might take longer for some than others. I'm sure by August, you'll be feeling a little bit differently. In any case, uh, I think it's a fair point by you in terms of evaluating the process of how things got done. It does seem to be that the Cowboys have just kind of always liked Mike Zimmer. And uh, I, I never love just like, well, this guy was part of our organization before, so he's the right guy because famously the Philadelphia Flyers do that a lot where it's just like every coach and every GM and every player, former Flyer, former Flyer. It's like, guess what? That's not, there's no way, just like statistically, that's no way all of the best candidates are just happen to be former Flyers. Like that does not make any sense. So yeah, I don't like that part of it, but uh, I think this is a fine hire. I do think you might be selling Dan Quinn a little bit short, at least in terms of like, he did a really good job as a defensive coordinator. Maybe down the stretch, there are struggles. But I mean, when you look at the whole resume, when you look at 
like statistically how his defense has performed and relative to the uh, difficulty of the schedule and the um, uh, the resources, the cap resources. I, I broke all that down and he, he did a good job. I, and even if it was flawed, there's a lot of room to get worse. Can we I would least, offer... can, you, can you agree with that, that there's room to go down for sure? Yeah, but that's part of that in, that in that they've just been historically great. I mean, not just by yes. Cowboys standards, but by <clears throat> NFL standards. And I agree with you that like I'm not trying to act like Dan Quinn sucks or anything like that. It feels very similar to me to I, I was not a fan of moving on from Kellen Moore a year ago. But ultimately, and you're right, like I'll ultimately cope myself into oblivion that like, oh, the Mike Zimmer hire was great. But like, you know, and I eventually felt better about and, and to be clear, my stance on Kellen was you have to see what Mike McCarthy has. That, and you again know that. But yeah. it, it he had an incredible amount of, of success with the Cowboys, but it was just time. It was it was just time to move on. Mm-hmm. You couldn't keep doing it. And I think that's it's a similar sort of thing with Dan Quinn. Um, now, I don't mean to take away from him either here, but people have rightly and fairly and objectively noted all the success that he had in his three years. It is important to note that that not only coincided with the arrival of Micah Parsons, but also with a significant investment from a draft standpoint, the the Cowboys have significantly invested way more on the defensive side of the ball during Dan Quinn's era than they have the offensive. So, I mean, again, not to take away or say he he was elevated or carried by anybody, but it, it was not just the brilliance of Dan Quinn is all I'm saying. That's a fair point. At the same time, I think those players got better under him and he deserves some level of credit for like developing those players, especially guys who weren't just like Micah Parsons, a first round pick, but like Deron Bland, you know, like getting that kind of production out of and, and like Stefan Gilmore and, you know, you know, obviously a player successful in the past, but aging and whatnot, kind of getting the best out of certain players. That's ultimately what good coaching boils down to. So, yeah, I'm not here to say Dan Quinn is perfect and the Cowboys are totally screwed. But again, I just my point is that I think there's a lot of room to go down. And we've talked about that before. And I guess maybe give him some credit for staving that off because it seemed like they were just going to fall off at some point and they never really did. I think Mike Zimmer, though, ultimately kind of gives you a level of it's kind of like what I talked about with the Eagles level of competency you're looking for. Because I, I don't think where the Cowboys are in terms of we need to go all in as Jerry Jones is saying, or we're trying to win now. Mike McCarthy's on the hot seat. You're not going to turn over your defense to like a first time play caller. I don't think that really makes sense. So uh, I do think going with someone experienced is a good idea and uh i think zimmer has enough of a background there where you feel comfortable with that you also in the best case scenario don't have to worry probably about losing him to a head coaching job that's kind of like a market inefficiency here uh i uh, that's how i feel about vic fangio pretty much in philly obviously the chiefs have that going very well for them in spags and i would like for that to stop I would like for a team to hire Steve Spagnuolo because please get him out of Kansas City. Uh, obviously, Mahomes is still going to be the straw that stirs the drink there, but he is certainly contributing a lot as well. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's an A-plus hire for the Cowboys, but given the circumstance and also the timing, because you know this Dan Quinn hire happened like relatively later. It was literally the last coaching hire in the cycle, so you don't necessarily have like the whole spectrum of candidates available to you. I think it's pretty... I, if I had to give it a grade, I guess I'd give it like a B plus. My last thing that I would I would add here, um, and a big reason that I am in favor or was in favor, have been in favor of moving on from Dan Quinn, is it's undeniable that he not only has a lack of success, but he really fails spectacularly against Kyle Shanahan and Kyle's coaching tree. We've seen that, you know, over and over and over again in the three-year stretch, obviously twice in the playoffs. Um not you know an overwhelming sample size but one of the more successful defensive minds against that tree is Mike Zimmer and so it stands to reason that if you're the Cowboys you're going to have to go through that at some point in time 
um, and you know, Steve Spagnuolo can maybe help you out, or you know, in, in some capacity. But um, it makes sense to to say, okay, this this thing owns us. Let's move on from the dude who sucks at it, and let's find somebody who is relatively successful. That's a, a really you know thirty thousand foot way of looking at it. But I'm I'm fine. But I'm also again, the process really irked me, and that's you know my only real gripe with it. But should we move on to the Eagles now? In Eagles news, Ooh. RJ drama you know drama peaceful super bowl sunday nothing going on about the philadelphia eagles they're not in the game unlike they were last year oh no actually they are what's the phrasing they i have uh i wouldn't get it right i I always i don't want to i don't want to mess it up permission to seek a trade that is the phrasing that was what came out from ian rapaport on sunday morning the eagles have given hassan reddick permission to seek a trade and now literally right before we're starting this podcast so unlike true nfc east mixtape fashion where usually the news happens after we're right after we're done recording uh our friend jordan schultz reports that he spoke to hassan reddick who tells him that he actually never requested a trade he wants to stay in philly quote i would like to get an extension done here at home at no point did i ever tell the organization i want to be traded this is home for me i was born and raised here Two of the most fun years playing football in my life came here. I've cherished being an Eagle. And then Hassan Reddick himself actually tweeted, uh, he already quote tweeted that and kind of, you know, even further confirmed it if he didn't believe it already somehow. So, um, I mean, I don't love this because Hassan Reddick is ostensibly one of the Eagles' best players and they don't really have a backup plan behind him if he's not here next season. So I don't love the idea, certainly of just giving him away. And I don't think that's what the Eagles are doing. I think what this is, is Hassan Reddick in the Eagles were probably, or have been talking terms about an extension uh, for context. He's going in to the last year of his deal this year. So that's a natural thing to be talking about. And my guess is that the two sides are far apart and that's understandable. Hassan Reddick should value himself very highly because the only players who have more sacks than him since 2020 are miles Garrett. Um, uh tj watt and trey hendrickson and is there another it's either four or five but in any case is micah production, I'm, I'm legitimately asking. no because micah came in in 2021 oh you're right that's so, 2020 season right okay and hassan reddick started to take off in 2020 and that's like that's a big sample size now that's what that's four seasons so it's like it's a pretty big deal and he there's a lot of things that uh hassan reddick checks with the boxes on in terms of doesn't miss games uh, not an issue culture-wise at all. I think it's actually like a nice guy to have in the locker room. I just, I think there's some criticism of him like not being the best run defender. And maybe there's times where he might freelance a little bit, but like he gets TFLs too. That's part of his game. So, and he actually was really good in run defense against the Dolphins, which is one of the Eagles' best games of last season. So like, I just, I don't love the idea that you're moving on from him, especially this doesn't make sense like time frame wise. It's not like the Eagles are retooling or rebuilding or taking a step back. Nick Sirianni's on Nick Sirianni's on the hot seat. He has to win. This team the Eagles believe this team can win. And that's why they, they made the contingents they did. They didn't burn it down to the ground. They said we can still win. We just have to bring in stronger coordinators. So I just don't really love the idea of getting rid of him. It would have to be to me like a really strong offer to to move on. I think it's at least a second, probably plus more. It's just, again, you don't have much behind him. It's the most valuable position on defense, at least cap space-wise, at least resource-wise. So, uh, And I'm sure you would love Hassan Reddick to not be on the Eagles next year. Am I wrong in saying that? I 
love is strong, but I would definitely prefer it. Um, my, to be very clear, my own individual perception of Hassan Reddick is probably muddied because the way you specifically speak about him has led me to believe that he's overrated because I'm just like, there's no way he's as good as BLG notes. He's an incredible football player, but you go a little bit over the top sometimes. And some of it's your pushing of an agenda that he was better than Micah Parsons and picking him on your all that. NFC East team. You said that. You picked him with uh, with Jimmy on BGN Radio. You said it that was he was so better than Micah Parsons. And also, it wasn't that crazy because the production is incredibly high. It's it not was like crazy unthinkable. And it crazy. So again, I'm just explaining my own viewpoint of him and how it's been clouded by that your was such, ridiculousness. It's just a one-off comment, I, like thoughtless comment that I anyway, wasn't even putting any thought um, into. I do think this is the I don't I really don't mean to like do the drama thing, but like I do think this is the beginning of a fascinating offseason for Howie Roseman. Can you can you keep everybody happy? However, that happiness is defined by them. Like Hassan is well, you know, in line to ask for an extension. Like, and yeah, because the likelihood is that he won't have the same production, right? The likelihood is that if he tries to have this conversation a year from now, he's coming from a less strong, you know, point. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it makes sense for him to cash in however he, this is probably the last big extension he's going to get throughout his NFL career. So it makes sense to, to use what leverage he has. And that's a difficult thing to massage if you're Howie Roseman. Um, and I don't know. I know there was, I know this was fake, but I know there was like weird Twitter rumors about AJ Brown asking for a trade. I saw he was asked about this by Kay Adams and it was just that, that seemed really silly. I did agree by the way. I know this there weren't any trade rumors. There was nothing. There was no, there was never an actual rumor anywhere. I, um, I agreed with AJ that if he shoved Nick Sirianni during the Super Bowl, that wasn't him. Apparently. I don't know. That oh well what if it was or wasn't I so agree AJ with the idea. like deleted all of his social media and it seems to me that like a fan took over that account or something you know like got the handle gotcha and also I don't know if that's I mean I could be wrong maybe it was him but Darius Slay said something during the game that he texted AJ or whatever and AJ said it wasn't him or I don't know so I don't even, I don't even know if he didn't tweet that if it was AJ Brown or CD Lamb because of who he plays for or Devonte Adams or. I mean, pick a player for some like the fact that Travis Kelsey shoved Andy Reid and it was just kind of like, whatever, it's a little, a little funny. But um, I do think the Hassan thing, it might be worth legitimately exploring the trade because it does feel like a get out a year too early as opposed to a year too mm. late sort of thing. I recognize the the need for production now because it's a, a hot seat sort of situation for Nick Sirianni. But you know, does Howie care about that? I mean, you know what I mean? Like if it's in the best interest of maximizing the long-term, you know, stability of the Eagles, I think, I think you have to, if you get a second round draft pick for him, I think you have to maybe do it. It has to be second plus. I mean, it has to be an offer. I think that just makes you go, oh yeah, that's great value. Of course we have to do that because again, this is what you have behind Hassan Reddick right now. And I'm, I'm, let me assume, which isn't even a guarantee, but let me assume that Brandon Graham will be back He's going to come back in his age 36 season. Good role player, but certainly not a guy that you're counting on to be, you know, uh, maybe even a top three defensive end for you, maybe the fourth guy. So then you have Josh Sweat, who had one sack and two TFLs in his last eight games last year. He got better every season of his career up until last year when he started hot. And then he obviously had that huge sack at the end of the Cowboys game. But then after that, again, just one sack the rest of the whole season. So you worry about that. Um, you worry about, and behind him, you have Nolan Smith, who 
didn't really get on the field a lot as a rookie. I still, oh, but I was, optimistic. I was told he was going to be amazing. Cause he's a Georgia bull. I'm optimistic <laughs> about his future, but I don't think he's ready right now. I don't think he's ready. You can just say, all right, now that's literally, especially the gap from him for or, or Hassan Reddick to him. I think that's a huge gap. Even if Nolan Smith does turn out to be a really great player, that's still a lot to assume that's, that's going to close the gap there. And then beyond that, it's not much of anything like Patrick Johnson, special teams guy. Um, you know, just you don't have much behind Hassan Reddick. So if you get rid of him, you have to have a really, really good backup plan or a plan to pivot to something else. And I don't know exactly how you do that, especially with the timing and everything, because you can't just trade him and be like, well, we're going to sign Bryce Huff or whoever. And then all of a sudden, Bryce Huff, maybe I don't I don't think this is realistic, but maybe he gets tagged by the Jets or maybe another team outbids you, you know, and then you're all of a sudden you don't have anyone like that's. I would be careful if I'm the Eagles. I think this isn't just about them wanting to trade him. You know, I think people see that rumor and they're like, oh, Hassan Reddick's gone. Like, you just automatically assume that he is getting traded. I don't think that's the case. I think that this is all part of the negotiating process. The Eagles have done this with other players before. They've given them per- publicly permission to seek a trade. I think in part because then that player talks to those teams and kind of, or at least the agent does, and they get a sense of what those teams might be offering for a new contract. Therefore, that agent can come back to the Eagles and saying, well, this team is offering us this much per year. So then the Eagles can kind of use that as you know part of the tool in negotiating and leverage and whatnot. And then maybe they can end up ironing out a contract where Hassan Reddick can actually stay in Philly. So I think, again, it's clear to me right now that Hassan Reddick values himself way up here and the Eagles are kind of not as close. And then maybe there's a team that kind of comes in the middle there and maybe the Eagles go up to that and they keep him. At least that's what I'm hoping. I also am not doubting the reporting of Jordan Schultz, but like it is also standard in this like dance for Hassan to then come back and be like, I didn't ask for a trade. Like this is all kind of a game of public opinion right now. Like so that every Eagles fan could be like, what are you doing leaking that he wants a trade? He never asked for a trade and blah, blah, blah. So I mean, it might um, be right though that he never did, but that doesn't mean his agent didn't. Right. So um, yeah. All right. Are you ready to move on past the Eagles or anything else? Well, let's take a break, RJ. Throw it. Throw it. Throw it good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We went and got it. Um, that's RJ, the how whole, do you feel about the, the Apple Vision Pro? Not a sponsor. Just curious to get your genuine take on it. I've been thinking about your take on this since um, I've seen it. Well, Bear is barking a lot, and that's um, annoying. But um, also annoying is my voice, just like constantly going in and out. Yeah, I've I drink, agree. Most people agree with that. I've drank so much hot tea over the last week. You have no idea. What kind um, of tea? Like what flavor? Uh, peppermint, honey, honey, chamomile, you know, just doing what I can to to nurse this thing, but, um, with, with agave or, and honey mixing it up, you know what I mean? So, um, that's how I roll, but sorry, I, I don't have a great sounding voice in general. And so it, when it's weakened, (laughs) it, it, it doesn't sound good, but, um, the Apple vision pro thing, I saw the, um, I don't know if it was a, a photo or a video of like the way you can watch NBA games and you can like be Iron Man and like pinching and whatever. I got to be honest, I think that'd be overwhelming. 
I I, no. I think I would I think I'd be a little intimidated by it. And do you have one? <laughs> no, but I've been thinking about it, um, especially because I don't have a lot of space where I am. It's physical space, so a virtual workstation seems appealing to me uh, because then I can kind of maximize my limited space. Uh, obviously, the price is high, but I'd want to use it to work. I mean, the entertainment stuff is fun and whatnot. That's a nice perk, but I, I, I'm trying to see if it would be viable. Can as you a let's work. talk this out because we have the same job. Um, can you you think we could work while wearing it? Well, so one of the this is again not an ad, but I'm intrigued by it. I'm, I I I think it's probably you know it's at a very intriguing spot right now, and I'm sure with time and feedback and whatnot and more competition, whatever, all the things that go on with technology, just kind of like the original iPhone couldn't, you know, do a bunch of things relative to the ones that certainly came out not too long after that. I'm sure there could be some of that here. But anyway, uh, when you look at your laptop, as long as I think it's from like 2018 on, so mine's older than that. It's part of the problem. I have to get a new one, uh, which is also money. Uh, but when you look at your laptop, it like pops up into the virtual, you know, Apple Pro display. So in addition to that screen, you know, I can also have like my text message app open um, and whatnot. Uh, and I just think it'd be fun to work in that environment, in this virtual environment, like just writing articles and whatnot. Obviously for the podcast, I'd have to still get on my laptop, but uh, I think it's intriguing. I'm willing to consider this. Show me a YouTube video and I, I can maybe get on board. Um, I'll think about Shout it. Shout out to, uh, actually, you know, here's, this is a really, you, you want some synergy here? Okay. Uh, Vox Media Podcast, RJ, which I've actually been listening to. I haven't fully finished yet, but uh, you know MKBDHD, like guy reviews tech no. stuff. Uh, anyway, that's actually on the Vox Media Podcast Network. It's called Waveform, the MKBHD podcast, all about Apple Vision Pro. So there you go. Boom. Okay, I'll check it Company out. Man. We, we have a lot of podcasts here at Vox. Obviously, the NFC's mixtape is one of them. Um, the SB Nation NFL show is another. I almost, I don't know if I ever told you this, I was almost on Vox Explained once. For what? Something Why the to Cowboys? Do, no, it was, it was something to do with Tom Brady and like putting something mm. in context. I forget exactly what it was, but it fell through. You know, maybe they didn't like the sound of my ugly voice. The New York football giant. would be nicer to yourself, man. Um, so I'm here to report after a conversation with Kayvon Thibodeau. Okay. I know you heard the conversation that I had with Jalen Hyatt. Super interesting, yeah. dude. Um, Why didn't this one go up on the SB Nation NFL show feed? Because I listened to all those ones. But I don't think I, that was there. I don't know. Um, not to throw Kiss under the bus, but that's a Michael Kiss question. Mm. So Wow. Because um, I, I listened to the Pollard and the Hyatt ones. Right. So um, pretty likable guy, Kayvon Thibodeau. Bummer. Yeah. Super likable. In fact... <laughs> So likable when he was celebrating uh after he injured <laughs> anyway so we had everything set up and he just, he walked up and sat down and grabbed the microphone and was like and just started talking and was like what's going on everybody we're here on 94 one he saw like our sign and he was just like i am Kayvon thibodeau your host and like it was he was such a like electric mm. and charming personality and he said something that i think I think you're going to agree with and I think it's going to make you like him, but you're going to do the BLG thing and pretend you don't. Um, well, first of all, he defended saying that he believes Saquon deserved to be paid before Daniel Jones. And that was cool. And, he, you know, whatever. But he said, mm -hmm. um, I was joking with him. I was like, well, I cover the Cowboys. And he was like, I hate the Cowboys. And I was like, really? And I was like, you know, 
because a lot of people who play in the NFL now, they don't really do that. You know, they don't really like hate people and stuff like that. Like it was cooler when I was growing up because teams like kind of hated each other. And he, he, he like was clear. He doesn't actually hate anybody, but he was like, no, he was like, I don't want to like anybody. He was like, right in today's day and age, everybody wants to be invited and everybody wants to be everywhere. He was like, I don't want to be invited to your thing. I don't want to be invited to your stuff. I just want to do my thing. Go Giants. It was kind of cool. It was kind of cool and refreshing. I respect it. I get yeah, it. So. I understand it. He um, is a chess player. Actually, shout out to Ed Valentine. He told me to ask him about how he dominates Saquon at chess. And he was humble. He was he was like, well, you know, Saquon's kind of just learning the game. And I gave him my chess game with my friend Jimmy, not Kemsky. And I said, will you make a move for me? And he looked at it and he was like, oh, you're about to lose. And I was like, okay, we'll just make the move. So I can say that, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau made the move. And he said, I'm not touching that. He was like, I'm not letting that go on my record, you know, that you lost. So again, kind of a funny dude. I, I really appreciated him. But are you familiar with the term Zugzwing? No. As a chess player. Uh, good word, but I think only actually applicable in chess. It's a situation in which the obligation to make a move in one turn one's turn is a serious, often decisive disadvantage. That applies to Anything. NFL too. Like a like, like, or a personnel move. Anything that's got you feeling inspired about the New York football giants? Um, the Saquon decision looms. Ed seems to be open to his returning. Doesn't totally want to shut the door, but also obviously isn't like we have to keep him at all costs. Uh, I did see this over the weekend. This is kind of big. Uh, nothing firm, but uh, you know how you know, like Super Bowl morning, they're talking about other teams, like the Hassan Reddick mm-hmm. trade thing. The thing that came out with the Giants, like on that topic, was that, quote, keep an eye on Big Blue, end quote, to move up for a quarterback in the 2024 NFL draft. So maybe uh, the Giants get we're aggressive. Too, we're too early to speculate exactly who, but it would have to be Jaden Daniels. There's no way that they can, you know, get it get high enough for Drake May. I don't know if it's that big of a move up, though. Hmm. I think, I don't know. I think Penix could be in play for them. I think that's kind of like a range where, you know, I'm not, I don't know if it's a move up to number, you know, let's say, where are they sitting? Where are they, where are they at? They're number six. Um, I believe so. Right. Yeah. They were bad, right? I was, for some reason, I was thinking like they had a similar draft position the last year. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I haven't been keeping enough you know, close attention to the quarterback thing. I'm sure you haven't either. We're not really in that realm, the teams we cover. Uh, so maybe that's too high for Penix. I don't know. But in any case, uh, maybe it is Jaden Daniels. I don't know. As, uh, JP Acosta spoke to Penix um, at SBNation.com. Everybody should go check that out. That was one of the cooler interviews that JP did throughout the week. I On the subject, by the way, I got caught up on something. This was interesting because you said he listened caught to... Up. Anyway, you said you listened to um, the Tony Pollard interview. Um, so I hadn't realized this, but so he did say to us that he felt like he was back the week of the Carolina Panthers game. You heard him say that? I heard that. Yeah. So I had not connected these dots. I'm trying to, I've lost the tweet now. Um, but from week, so that was week 11 and from week 11 on the highest graded running back in the NFL by PFF was Tony. Wow. Bring him back, baby. I don't think they. I don't think they will, but like I, that's a, just an interesting bookmark to place. You know what I mean? For where these, you know, NFC East free agents wind up. So that's all. Um, yeah. I mean, the quarterback situation with the Giants is going to be interesting to watch. But I mean, until there's something there, it's just blah. You know what I mean? So. I agree. We, uh, again, just defer to last week's episode with Ed, where we talked about how 
Uh, it took forever for them to finally find a defensive coordinator, and he was clearly not one of their top options, which doesn't mean it won't work out. There's plenty of teams that don't go with their top option at coach or coordinator or whatever, and it turns out a lot better than anyone would have thought. So um, I think it's fine. And then obviously they ended up keeping Mike Kafka, but uh, we will see. Longest tenured offensive coordinator in the division, Mike Kafka. One, probably one of them in the NFL, right? That's I mean, true. honestly. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the Washington Commanders, since we last spoke, have hired Dan Quinn. I'm interested to hear Jamal's yeah. uh, Jamal's take on this. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just like it feels so. What's the difference between this and Ron Rivera? Nothing, literally nothing. I think. Well, I think Dan Quinn. You know, I, I'm more inspired by him just because of recent relative success on the defensive side of the ball, and because he's new. So there's a new energy there. I'm not saying like you should have brought back Ron Rivera for another year, obviously, but. I just don't know, but what about the profile? You know, I asked Jamal that question. He gave his answer on it. He gave it a reasonable answer. There's a, big, a lot of talk about like leadership, though. It's like leadership. Miss me. I thought that's team. what Ron Rivera was supposed to do. I mean, okay, leader of men, and you know, whatever. I mean, and I I believe in that with Dan Quinn. Like to be very clear, I do think that players enjoy him and rally around him, et cetera, et cetera. But I just, I mean, what what advantage does he provide their team now? You know, I think there's an argument to be made. The commander should have done what the Texans did with Let's... what's his name, um, the former ch- Chiefs guy, the guy they hired. Are you, are you talking be... about David Cully, the one year? Yeah, I think oh, they, there's an argument they should have hired made... somebody to fire in a year. Yeah, arguably yes, and tried to make another run at Ben Johnson maybe, or well, who, I mean, maybe who's that to say they burned. didn't? I mean, I, mean, I, I maybe, but I think I don't know. It just seems like I think Dan Quinn's not going to be that bad, though. I think Dan Quinn so, is good enough where he will bring a level of certain stability here. Um, I don't know. I just don't really. I don't get it. It seems like they had a much. They were very promised. I still think they have a good GM, or they might have a good GM, so that'll help them a lot for sure. Um, but I just don't really think this is exactly like the home run we're pressing all the right buttons commanders are back in a big way than ever before totally fresh blood we're going to get the quarterback to and obviously if they nail the quarterback pick that's going to go a long way towards whether dan quinn is going to be successful or not i mean even beyond his control in a lot of ways so um, what i'm about to say i don't is, love the office is, of coordinator hire either what i'm about to say is going to be a real as i define them to be a classic blg take so whether you take offense to that or not, it's up to you. Um, but did you see – so he hired Joe Witt Jr. Uh, from the Cowboys to be his new defensive coordinator, and I don't blame Joe Witt at all. Like, go go take the, like, guaranteed contract and, what you know, well, and they longer – That's, like, their guys, right? Like, they're, they're boys. Yeah. They've been together well, for – Yeah, and, and again, like, even if they weren't, though, you know, you're guaranteed, what, like, two to three years' worth of job security in a new job as opposed to – you have no idea what this is going to look like a year from now with the Cowboys and you get a promotion. And again, you get the, you know, the, the salary, whatever. So I don't blame Mm -hmm. him whatsoever. And besides the fact that he may just want to do the job, but um, he tried to take Lunda Wells, the Dallas Cowboys side ends coach, the Cowboys blocked him. And he tried to take Al Harris, who is people act like Al Harris is a Dan Quinn guy. Do we forget that Mike McCarthy coached Al Harris? Like, I don't know how this list like was lost in the sands of time that, he literally played for Mike McCarthy with the Green Bay Packers, but somehow along the way we've defined Al Harris to be a Dan Quinn guy. But so mm. Dan Quinn tried to interview him and was blocked as well. And so where my BLG take comes in is this seems really uncreative to me. Like, were, mm. were you just going to like take the guys <laughs> like, like take your staff with you like that? 
that's your brilliant plan. Um, and I don't mean to, you know, make it sound like Dan sucks or anything like that, but like, that seems kind of, how often do you see this happen where th- a coach like this was, was blocked twice from the, the team he's leaving? It's a little, it feels like he has no original ideas. And I recognize that's exaggerating a bit. Well, I think the Kingsbury hire kind of speaks to that too. It's like, well, here's a guy right. who has been credited for being creative when in actuality, I think, and I, and I'm consistent about this. I didn't want the Eagles to hire Cliff Kingsbury. I thought that'd be a really bad hire. Because I think Cliff Kingsbury and even Jamal agreed with me on this that his track record very much is not exactly the reality of him. It's when just have like, they, when has he ever had an NFL offense that you were like, oh crap, that's it? Exactly. Never. I mean, well, even in, and in in college, obviously they they did some things well, that yeah, were Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you know, what I mean? and like, a losing record of Patrick Mahomes. Think about that. Think about who Patrick Mahomes is. Uh, yeah. So I just don't. But I do like. And I'm enough, sorry. I'm sorry. And he let Baker leave. You know what I mean? Like, and uh-huh. at the collegiate, at the, even now, Baker's kind of re- reputation has been remolded. But like at the collegiate level, Baker was a god. You know what I mean? So like, you clearly misidentified that situation. I do wonder how this relates to the number two overall pick potentially trading up. There was some buzz about that on Super Bowl morning as right, well about right. the Commanders moving up from two to get Caleb Williams. It could it be? I mean, this is you know. Uh, we haven't seen this in a while, but could it be like an Eli Manning kind of situation where Caleb Williams is like, I'm not going to Chicago. I'm only going to play for Cliff Kingsbury and the commanders. I would not count on that, uh, certainly, but I don't know. Possible. If you want that to happen, then maybe that's what the commanders are doing there. I just don't think it's a very inspired hire. I do like, on the other hand, and this isn't just a bit because I've defended Brian Johnson, former Eagles offensive coordinator. They're bringing the commanders are bringing in uh, Brian Johnson to be. I have not seen a, an official title, but it sounded like past game coordinator, maybe quarterbacks coach too. I think that's a really good move because maybe Brian Johnson isn't a great offensive coordinator. There's evidence to suggest that's certainly the case. But when you talk about some of the work he's done with quarterbacks, including Dak Prescott in college, you have Kyle yeah. Trask, who certainly went from like nothing being to something, yeah, nothing to whatever like second round pick, whatever he was. And, you know, potentially a starter down the road in Tampa Bay or wherever, who knows. Um, and then Jalen Hurts, when he was Jalen Hurts' quarterback's coach, you know, Jalen Hurts played pretty well. So I do think that is a good hire for them. And I do think that Brian, and, you know, again, still have to figure out the Cliff Kingsbury part of it all. But I do think Brian Johnson might be able to help that young quarterback out quite a bit. I'm out on the commanders. I mean, I just need to be impressed is really where I'm at. And so... They feel awkward. They feel wonky, but maybe, maybe it comes together. I'm, I'm interested at the very least, uh, you know, so right on anything else on the commanders. Hey, by the way, oh, um, yeah, there is actually, what, what's your what, point? Brandon? I was just going to say, it was kind of a big game for the former cow or former NFC East pass rushers in the Super Bowl. Both Chase Young and Randy Gregory had a strong start. It was a big game for the big game. Yeah. But Chase Young very much faded after that. It was kind of funny. Well, like, yeah, just... I mean, no, but it was, it was still incredibly unexpected. That's all I'm saying. Like, it was kind of like, like nobody expected their names to be said. Is my point. Do you think most people know that there's actually a big game every year and it's not the Super Bowl? Is it the puppy bowl? Is that, are you no, there's here? actually no. a game called like quote the big game, like all like capital T capital B capital G the big game. It's actually the name given to the California Stanford football rivalry. Like that game is like has been historically right. called. Yeah, uh, dating back the, the to the band, the bands on the field. The bands on the field. Yeah, but yeah. like I just think that's funny. Like that's actually called the big game, or it's called big game. Whatever. Well, what is what exactly does Michigan and Ohio State call it? Is isn't it also 
the big uh, the big game or what is it um well they play in the big house in michigan but um i don't know i'm not as well versed in college football across the board but oh I just i'm sorry it's, it's it's just referred to as the game the if game. you were i feel like if, if if like we were michigan like with as contrarian as we like to be i feel like we would be like we're not going to call it that because the 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 thing is their thing you know what i'm saying like to, to like call it game yeah exactly like to, to like emphasize the the about something is an ohio state thing so why would michigan sign up to do that you know it's mean? actually so. a pretty good point um in any case uh the other thing i wanted to get to is kind of a commander's giants overlap so if I, if I said hey how do you feel about the giants offensive line how do you feel about it over the past couple of years probably been bad right probably been an issue something you really wouldn't want to be associated a, with this is why i called it a blg take because you're making a mountain out of a molehill here but go ahead how i mean this is a very weird move that the commanders ended up hiring bobby johnson who is the former giants offensive line coach over the past two years i mean this isn't even just my take on it i'm looking at hogshaven.com seeing an article titled bobby johnson is a baffling hire as offensive line coach and he is now you know, does the offensive line coach not being great mean that the commanders can't have a good offensive line? No, it's possible because you put the resources in or whatever. The problem with that, though, is the Giants did that. They were part of, they have been putting resources into the offensive line. And Evan Neal's been a disaster. And maybe that's part part of that's just because Evan Neal isn't good enough or whatever, and he's not going to thrive under any offensive line coach. But you have like so many choices to hire for your offensive line coach. And this is the guy you want especially when the commander's offensive line was a disaster last season. Like this guy who's overseeing the giants offensive line, this is going to be the guy who's going to help fix it. I just think that's very silly. I don't have a passionate take on this. I mean, you're right. You would be like, no, this no, sucks. You're, you're, you're right. But like the talent is also, and has been an issue for the giants for a long time, but not I the mean, resources. The, They've put resources into but it. Like the, the so coaching's they, not getting that. That might be on on their scouting department. Like I'm not saying he's he's that's part of you know, the issue. Faultless, but I mean he's clearly you know. part of the. Pro- he wasn't. That's right. fair. That's fair. Or, all I'm, or, all I'm or saying even, is like even more fair. He, not, he has not been part of the solution at the very least. That's that's fair. All I'm saying is he's not necessarily this anchor that they just like tied down to their ship. That's all I, I'm saying. I agree. It's not just like the, oh he's the only reason. But again, <laughs> he's not part of the solution. So I don't know why you, the commanders think he would be. Are we ready to um, chunk deuces? We are ready to. That's not a. That's kind of an unappetizing phrase, especially lunchtime. I don't want to think chunk. Um, like Rachelle's song selection. So I asked you. It's like you know you're going to the bathroom. So Brandon Mm. did not ahead of time. I had to ask him for the songs. Um, So I'm assuming "Born to Run" was your selection. I don't know. Ed's. Oh, you did give me a clue. And to the moon. Yeah, I did. To the moon was um was Jamal's. I said, yeah, both of our guests, not in a way where like needed to happen. Both picked one like kind of culturally relevant to them. So, you know, obviously Bruce Springsteen, Giants play in New Jersey, not New York. And Bruce Springsteen, big Jersey guy. Um, and then Jamal's pick, which I was certainly not familiar with, is um, he was talking about go-go. And I had to look that up. It's a style um, of black music back in like the, I forget what era here, 90s, 70s something. Uh interesting didn't know that was a thing and didn't know it was like region specific too i think that's kind of cool that like uh, a geographical region mm-hmm. had their own genre of music there so uh i i welcomed that addition to mid, mid 60s to late 70s uh, very cool so sub genre of funk music with an emphasis on specific rhythmic patterns 
and live audience call and response. And it was originated in DC in the late mid sixties, late seventies. And I couldn't find it in Apple Music, and you sent it to me, but it's a live version. That's the only one that yeah. we could find to put on the playlist. So even yeah. cooler. Um, so then Rachelle obviously chose Superstar by Usher, and you chose The Last Lost Continent by La Dispute. Yes. Okay. At least I'm caught up because you didn't feel the need to give me this information. Oh, no. so, um, also an Usher song. Um, Ra- my song this week, I will explain in a minute, but Rachelle's is um, Texas Hold'em by Beyonce. So Rachelle's got Texas on her mind. Yeah, I did not yet hear the new Beyonce. It was very much a big deal, clearly, when that commercial happened and, you know, she alluded to dropping new music. Uh, everyone furiously looking to find it. That was fun. Um, yeah. I've not heard it yet. No, well, I'm glad that Rachel, you know, is pointing us in that direction. Um, so I did not get to, she was so excited on, we pre-recorded Monday Football Monday ahead of last week. And she she told me, she was like, I'm so excited to hear the Usher songs for the NFC's mixtape, but I obviously wasn't here. So I'm a week late and I know that it already happened, but I'm going to go with my Usher song. He did not perform it. And that was a bummer, but it's okay. DJ got us falling in love by Usher. Wow. Uh, I was going to add an Usher song to the playlist too, but I decided to pivot because I think there was something more fitting for the theme of the Super Bowl and what I started with at the top of this episode I'm going to go with Karma by Taylor Swift. Karma is the 49ers losing the Super Bowl after wow. talking all that bull junk in the words of Deion Sanders. Uh, last thing before we leave and I was reminded of it in reading Ed's song um, by Bruce Springsteen um, just a recommendation on something to watch because it was really interesting um, right before I left, the night before I, I flew out to Vegas there's a, a documentary on Netflix about We Are the World. Have you seen this? Like seen it in the Netflix menu? No. So it's about the recording of the original song. Yeah, because they, they redid it in 2010 um, when Haiti happened. And obviously the, the cause was just as noble. But it was it's about like how they got everybody, how Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson wrote the song. Um, mm. And they recorded it the night of, of the AMAs that Lionel Richie hosted. It's really fascinating. It's, it's worth 90 minutes, I think, to if you're a fan of music or music history or anything. I, I'm not like I don't know anything about music, but I was riveted by this whole documentary. So I, <coughs> highly recommend. I, I almost made it without coughing. Dang. I think I heard someone talking about that. So, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I think it's called like the night pop something, but it's you'll you'll know it when you see it. So, do you have a recommendation on something we should watch? Um, I was trying to think of what I watched recently, but nothing is too Oh, I did watch the first episode of True Detective season mm. 4 and pretty intrigued. I like True Detective. Uh, I like the concept as an anthology. Have you watched it before? I tried to watch the first season when it was all everybody would talk about, and I forgot. So really good, um, but uh, yeah. So I'm intrigued to see where the rest of the season goes. I, I don't. I feel weird like recommending it because you know it might not be the most uplifting thing. But mm-hmm. if you like that genre, uh, I and I, I, I like mystery, so I am going to finish that season out, and I'm looking forward to that. Okay, as we leave, Brandon, tell us your favorite flavor of slushy favorite flavor of slushy mm-hmm. doing the thing where you repeat the question so you buy yourself time and then i'm talking about it to buy myself even more time uh <laughs> that's a master I, at work right there <laughs> the thing that comes to mind instantly is the coke because i just think it's hard it's like go an wrong. icy yeah yeah <laughs>